All right. Hey, a little late, but better uh, late than never. Well, I see it. Brent Leary here with, uh, this is the first broadcast of the week. You know, I call this the BBC, you know, but it's based in Georgia, not in the UK. So a little bit from there. But I'm really excited because I have uh, been a fan of VoiceBot AI for a long time. Uh, and with me right now is the CEO and founder of VoiceBot AI, Brett Kinsella. Brett, thank you for joining me, man. It's great. Thanks for having me, Brett. I'm excited to have this conversation with you today. Oh, man. I, I mean, I, I remember uh, I got my first um, Echo November 24th. No, November 21st, 2014, I think it was. Like. So and you were on the uh, the invite only list. I got I got an invite. I guess it's because I spent so much on Amazon or something. Sure. And I got that. Membership I, privileges. That's right. And I, I remember, I was like, I don't know what the hell this thing is, but it's half price. And well, let me just go ahead and try it. And then I got it. And um, my first thing was, and this is kind of odd looking, but it's kind of easy to set up. You, you just ask it questions. And I, then I spent like the next half day just sitting there asking it dumb questions. Uh, but it just it was just su such a different kind of device and a different kind of experience. And I started thinking, back, you know, back then I was like, wow, I wonder... What this what this thing is going to be able to do, you know, once it once it really has a real good purpose? Because at the time it felt like it was a you know parlor trick kind of thing. You just you know like a, sure. asking a question and it comes back. But yeah, after seeing you know all the things that have happened since then, and and really seeing what you guys have been writing and, and covering about this thing, it's really been fascinating to me to see how it's, it's kind of grown up. Um, but before we even jump into you know kind of all that stuff. Yesterday, Apple had its WWDC uh, yes. big annual event, and I wanted to be on your watch party, but I couldn't make it to the watch party. Quite right. what, what were your big takeaways when it comes to voice? Because I, I, I caught a part of the replay, and I watched kind of the portion where they were just talking about iOS 15. And it was like a 30-minute chunk, and they went through all this stuff. And at the very end of that 30, 35 minutes, I heard the word Siri and voice search mentioned just briefly. I didn't talk yes. about it a lot, but I was, I thought that was kind of, I've been, I've been fighting with Apple with and Siri and, and why it hasn't gone further and further than it has. And then and you have that kind of what I think just kind of a, just a mention. It just felt a little, man, like they, once again, it's not getting to do which it's due. So what were your impressions of that? Well, when you, when you live in Alexa land or Google Assistant land um, or maybe Amazon land and Google land, <laughs> Alexa and Google Assistant are the stars or they're at least bona fide stars. I think in, in Amazon land, Alexa is definitely the star and Google land, maybe Assistant is one of the stars. Uh, but in, in Apple land, Siri is running the craft table behind the scenes. <laughs> Um, and I think that that's just the way they've approached it for a long time. Uh, we were expecting uh, some of the fruit of their acquisitions a little more than two years ago to be announced at WWDC because that would have been the place to do it, developer-centric. Uh, you know, I had heard that like there's a lot of things that, for all the tech companies, and Apple included, that slowed down because of uh, quarantine last year. But this is a two-year project. I mean, it's developers. I mean, it shouldn't have had that big of an impact. They, they, if if this were the deadline, 
it doesn't seem to me that they had a lot of excuses to miss it in some way. Now, it, it's not as if Siri was not mentioned. Right. So the mention you're talking about was they're adding voice search to Safari. <laughs> um, <laughs> welcome to 2013, <laughs> Apple. Um, and there are a couple other places where we saw it. Uh, we saw Siri being uh, mentioned as being able to read your notifications. Uh, notifications was kind of interesting. Yeah. yeah, through AirPods Pro. Uh, so if you have the AirPods Pro or the AirPods Pro Max, AirPods Max, uh, the over-ear headphones, uh, it'll work. It won't work with the lower-priced AirPods. They're not putting the new features into those. Uh, so, so those were a couple of areas that were interesting. I'd say that the two things that I thought were most interesting about Siri and really tell you where it's going are... They talked about Siri on the edge. So in the security section, they talked about Siri, that you could actually perform a lot of commands that never went to the cloud, right? So they all of the voice recognition and the processing is being done on the phone. Uh, you know, Google demonstrated a much more impressive version of that, actually demonstrated a version of that at I.O. in 2019. Yep. Uh, so, so I don't know exactly what this is going to be from Apple, but... Uh, okay, so they, they're talking about from security. Google talks about it from a performance standpoint. Net-net, it winds up being the same thing. Uh, but they said it's going to be there. There's a few features that will stay on the phone. And so it sort of fits with their privacy uh, piece. And then there was announcement around SiriKit. So there, maybe the most interesting thing, because I hadn't seen any significant movement there, is they're going to allow Siri to run on third-party devices. So I, I, this might be a first for Apple to allow any of their products to run in somebody That's else's true. device. Uh, and so that was the one thing that I sort of stepped back and said, oh, maybe they haven't really abandoned it. <laughs> um, because my understanding is they were replatforming. Uh, you have to understand that Siri was developed on technology from the 2000s, was implemented and stabilized in 2010 or 2011 and 12. Uh, and you know, this is nine years later and a lot has changed. It wasn't designed quite to function the way the current voice assistants do. So there's a lot of work there. They have new leadership uh, that has been working on it. But I will say, uh, so I grew up in Syracuse, New York. Uh, and so Syracuse University is the local college. Orange, man. Yes. Yeah, yeah, the orange. So I didn't go to school there, but you sort of grow up there and it's, it's like the biggest thing going on in town. <laughs> and so we we're always big orange fans. And I think to be Siri inside of Apple is kind of like being the baseball team at Syracuse, right? Wow, that hurts. I mean, I could say the football team, but sometimes the football team is pretty popular. I, and I, and, but obviously basketball is very central to Syracuse and lacrosse is very big because you know, for many years they were top. Uh, is that what Jim Brown went to play lacrosse? At the he did. He did. Okay. In fact, my dad saw Jim Brown. I think my dad saw Jim Brown compete in lacrosse and a track meet in the same day. Really? And, you know, he was there for football, but he was also yeah. the best athlete in the school and probably the best <laughs> athlete in the nation at the time. So he could play any sport. Wow. Uh, yes. But that's, so it's, it's one of those things. It's like being basketball at Alabama, right? You're, you're second class. <laughs> right. And, and not to say that Alabama basketball isn't good. It is. It's just like that's a football school, right? Yeah. Uh, Apple is not a voice assistant company. Mm. Now, what's interesting is that if you look at Amazon, Amazon is not a voice assistant company. They're, they're a retailer, right? And maybe they're a cloud hosting provider. 
right? So you would think of it would be the third, but somehow they figure out a way because they're merchandisers, they know what people are interested in and they put that in front. And maybe that's because that is the most interesting thing they have. And maybe Apple believes they have more other things that are more interesting. You know, people like that little device, you know, or those devices that they have, they like them a lot. Mm -hmm. uh, at Google, I think the assistant is sort of the most important game in town. Uh, you know, you think about them being search mm -hmm. and they make their money off of advertising, but it all goes back to search really. Uh, but the assistant is viewed by many as being the future of the company. And so, you know, we just had, uh, Google I.O. a couple of weeks ago, which is easy to forget as well. And they didn't have a lot of assistant functionality either, right, compared to maybe previous years. And so there are some complaints there. And, and I think it's fair to say that. However, they are talking about Google Assistant with apps, app actions. So if you're a purist and you're just trying to build voice experiences, Google Actions as they talk about them, there wasn't a lot necessarily for you, but there was a lot for how you could use Google Assistant with apps, for example, was was one of them. And then across multiple devices, they've they've got the interactive canvas uh, has been really interesting in that way. And then they made two other announcements, which are related, something called Lambda, which is like a GPT-3, if people know that. Uh, and it's the idea of being able to answer any question uh, by crawling the internet and you know acting like you're a real artificial intelligence that you know things. And they uh, announced another thing called Mum, uh, which is a new a new uh, affordance for search, which is sort of a backend capability that Google Assistant would take advantage of. So, so they said some things, and so it wasn't like 100% if you're a voice developer, but they did a lot in the space, and it's obviously central to their business. Apple just didn't. Uh, it's not that important to them. They mentioned HomePod Mini twice, maybe, uh, but it, it just they're focused on other things. And you know, Apple a lot of times is focused on other things because they haven't gotten around to the thing that everybody wants them to talk about, or at least a subset of people want to talk about. Like most people don't care if Siri is very good because, because Siri is the most used voice assistant in the US anyway. Um, and it's one of the most used globally. It doesn't really compare because of its reach with Google, but it's used for, it's just used for a very few things, right? Starting a phone call, sending a text message, maybe creating a calendar item. Uh, people like it and they use it a lot for that. And they did announce that there's 600 million monthly active users of Siri. They haven't, announced that since 2017 I think was the last time that they, mm -hmm. they announced that and that and at that time I think it was 375 uh, so wow. it's grown significantly since then yeah. so so you know it's sort of a I, I think if you aren't in the industry like I am it's a kind of a mixed bag it's like okay a little bit of a little bit of progress there nothing about series shortcuts it was sort of came out a couple of years ago and it's yeah. not not heavily right. used uh, they certainly have made enough acquisitions and it certainly seems like voices should be important enough to them. That they should have done more, but they didn't. So there we go. Well, thank you for this uh, episode. Of, I mean, that was great. Um, when did you get like fully in, engulfed in this? Well, I started working in the voice technology space in 2013. So a little bit before you uh, acquired your first Echo. And I was working on... Uh, voice interactive ads. So think about you're listening to Spotify or NPR news or something like that on a mobile phone. It's in your pocket, it's in your purse. It's just, you're, you're not looking at the screen. Screen's on lock or you know, power save or something like that. And then ad comes up and maybe it's an ad you like. I mean, they're, they're, they're mining all this data so they can serve you ads that you'll like. And you'll, you'll, I want that coupon or I wanna go to that store or I wanna see that movie trailer. Uh, so it was actually pretty inconvenient to respond to it. So in fact, we 
we did some analysis. 79% of all ads served through streaming music uh, is served when the screen is dark, the absent background of the screen is dark. So you couldn't actually see a banner. Uh, and so we actually created a way that a tone would come up afterwards and they could actually just speak and say, oh, I want, I want to see the trailer, send me the coupon, take me to that store. And uh, so that was pretty interesting. So I was doing that for a few years. And uh, my, my, my client there who I was doing the work, I was their interim CMO for a while. They were approached by Amazon and said, hey, we'd love you to support the Echo. It seems like you know a little bit about commerce and voice. And we'd built an assistant and all these other things. Um, and okay, but too busy, not gonna do it, right? So it was 2015. Uh, 2016, they came back and said, hey, you know, this is really going well over here. We'd really like to take a look. And so I did some analysis. Uh, and I was like, oh, this looks a lot like the advent of the web. And I'm old enough to remember that. In the 90s, I was working on these things. And I said, oh, this is interesting because in the, in the early days of the web, we didn't have any digital content. And in fact, I recommend people look at, you know, just Google uh, website circa 1995. You'll be astounded at what you see. Uh, but we all lived with that. And it, you know what? And it was better than what we had because before we had nothing. Uh, and so the, the really key thing there is we didn't really know what the technology would be, but we didn't have any digital assets. We only had analog assets. Mm -hmm. And so there was something really profound changing here. Clearly a new platform that we can look at in retrospect, obviously a big platform. Uh, but we thought it was going to be a big platform, but we was like, oh, there's a big transformation going on here. When we moved to mobile, we were actually refactoring digital assets for a new user interface, uh, a new modality in terms of how you use it as well. But we had digital assets already. So it was like recreating assets for the mobile phone and then creating new ones because there are new capabilities. But when we came to voice, what was clear to me was that we didn't have conversational assets. We had lots of assets, a lot of visual assets, a lot of text assets, video assets. Uh, we even had audio assets, but we didn't have conversational assets. We didn't have this idea of having a conversation. So it struck me as that, there, that we were seeing the emergence of a platform. And it also was something where there was going to be a lot of change because we didn't have the underlying assets. We had to create it. We not only had to learn how to use it, we had to create everything that was going to go into it. So that was important. The other thing I saw was having been through a few of these platform cycles before, the previous platform cycles were, de were device dependent. So we needed the PC or later the laptop for the web. And then the phone, obviously, the mobile generation is all about the phone, right? Right. So, but in voice, it's multi-platform. Uh, we obviously have the smart speaker. You talked about that. And that was drew everyone's attention because that is a voice-only platform. And so it's, it's, it's great in that way. But voice is actually used far more in the car and on the smartphone than it is in the in the smart speaker. And that's mostly just because more people have cars and smartphones. Uh, but, uh, you know, so it's, it's this multi-platform thing. So I saw a lot of things that were different. Uh, the company I was working with, we decided actually to go all in in the voice space. And that company's app media is doing great. Uh, in that space and has done some really, really interesting work. In fact, was the first company to have over a thousand Alexa skills published on behalf of clients. Wow. Um, and probably the first to have over 300, I think, on Google Assistant as well. So just a lot of scale there. A lot of podcasts as well as, uh, you know, big brands like Pepsi and uh, Pepsi and, you know, uh, Gallo Winery and those types of things. Uh, but I, I, 
because I had done some things, a friend of mine asked me to write an article for Advertising Week. I wrote it. People are like, where'd you get all your research? It was hard to find stuff. I was like, yes, it is hard to find stuff. <laughs> so I just put up a blog, thinking that it would be a blog, that I'd be like, here are all my links. And then a couple of weeks later, I realized it was going to be a full-blown publication. Wow. Because what happened? The week after I announced, and September 15th, 2016, the Amazon uh, Echo Dot came out, was launched in Europe. Uh, the uh, A week later, API.ai was purchased by Google. Then Samsung bought Viv. And all of a sudden, and then two weeks after that, Google Home officially was debuted. So all those things together, it's like, oh, this is actually going to take a lot more time than I thought it was going to be. And so then we just transformed it into an actual online media publication, and then it morphed into research, and we do podcasts and lots of things now, too. Awesome. Uh, what do you think of the impact of the pandemic has been on uh, adopting voice, uh, not just from, like, uh, kind of the, the, the typical things that people were doing with voice, but has the use of voice, particularly through voice assistance, has it been expanded? Have people, you know, because, for example... They couldn't get out and shop the way they normally did. Did, did, did they turn to use their smart speaker to, to do voice shopping? I, I haven't heard a lot about voice shopping. And when you think of Amazon, you, you, know, you think, well, they would be the ones leading the charge in that. And they never really break out. They never talk about what percentage of commerce is being done. Via via voice or voice, because there is not a decimal point that goes that low. <laughs> That's what I was going to ask. So, do you think uh, are you are are your expectations for adoption of voice beyond what kind of initially got my attention? Are are you uh, surprised at where it is or where it isn't at this point? Because it doesn't seem. You know, it doesn't feel like there's been a whole lot of growth in certain areas with more and more people adopting voice to do different things. Okay, so you started out talking about the pandemic. And in one way, the pandemic accelerated adoption, but only in a couple of use cases and only through one device. And everywhere else, it actually probably ran counter to the growth in, in the industry. And I'll sort of break that down for you. So people were at home more. And I have a lot of data on this because we do and we do consumer surveys usually a couple times a year in the U.S., U.K., Germany, other places. And in the first part of the year, a lot of last year, a lot of additional usage of smart speakers. So not only there there wasn't actually a lot of new purchases, there weren't a lot of new customers for smart speakers, but there was a lot higher usage. And particularly, they were using it more for recipes because everyone was cooking at home games, uh, and a couple of other things, video chat, for example, you know, real explosion last year was this, uh, smart displays. So the smart speakers with a screen on it, so you can do video chat. Uh, those went from about 15% of smart speaker owners up to over 25% in the U S wow. um, in just a matter of six months or so. Uh, so what we saw last year was that a lot of people who had smart speakers, bought more smart speakers. The other area that we saw that there was more smart speaker use was smart home. People were at home more and they were looking for projects to do and they bought a whole lot of smart home devices. And if you have a smart home device, one of the best ways to uh, interact with it or to at least play with it and feel like you've accomplished something that's very Star Trekian is to 
use voice to control it. Uh, so, so we had this limited growth, but what, one of the things that happened, I believe is that we were starting to see voice expand on other surfaces more, uh, more aggressively. And a lot of those programs slowed down because so many things slowed down. And I can tell you there's one other area that exploded in voice, but this is on the consumer side. And so I would have expected to see more voice interfaces, uh, sort of independent or owned voice assistants from brands, uh, launch this year if it hadn't been for that because a lot of people said okay i need to get back to what i'm focused focused on because you have to understand and i know you do this but i think it's easy a year later to forget like nobody knew if they were going to be in business in three months right so they had to just say okay what's really important here and you know so i was actually more surprised at how many voice projects were sustained over the last year, as wow. uh, opposed to being cut back. And so a lot of them were, but I think there weren't new initiatives that I would have expected. And there weren't the initiatives that got that I normally would get expect to get funded at the end of the fiscal year in October, November, that would have started this year. A lot of that, I think, has been pushed back a year. So, so that's sort of the mixed bag on voice, you know, based on the pandemic and where we are right now. So I, I work in the CRM industry, you know, independent analysts and all that kind of stuff, work with some of the vendors. And I got so excited about voice kind of out of the gate and started thinking about how this could impact, you know, enterprise being able to have conversations with your applications. And yes, instead of having to, you know, type and click and swipe all the things that we hate to do, but we have to do, but it's be able to talk to your application and, and yes. have, you know, get stuff. So I started this, uh, uh, a blog on ZDNet. It was called Voices Carry. I was, you know, getting all into it. Nice. I talked to all these different, you know, CRM kind of vendors, and and there was a lot of buzz. And then I think it was 2019 or so. Salesforce said that voice was the future of CRM, and I was like, oh, this is great. This is we're we're here. And then phew, right down off a cliff. And it wasn't just that; it was everybody just stopped talking about it. And then because I, I started thinking, well, is it because there's too many issues with voice. Is it security related? Is it just too complex? Is it, you know, because you, you got to have certain, you know, libraries for every industry that you, you know, that, that has customers and, and, and I don't know, is, is it still, is it, it still seems like it's a little far off. I'm starting to hear companies starting to talk about voice again, but it doesn't feel like the same fervor is, is it, do you think it's because it's just too complex to get voice right to get the 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 accuracy to where it needs to be across different languages, across different taxonomies with industries for it to for it to really be done and be done <laughs> within a couple of years as opposed to it seems like it seems way far off to me. Yeah. It it's actually simpler than a lot of people think. How? Yeah. So I'm doing some research on this right now because one of the things I've looked at recently is I said, hey, listen, we've got smart speakers, we've got the smartphone, but the biggest digital surface area is the web. And that includes web apps, which almost every CRM is a web app today. Why are people not focused on that? And I think a lot of it's just like the zeitgeist of the consumer angle and all these other things. It takes, sometimes we're seeing this more and more with technology. It used to be when I came in, it was always enterprise led and then things would trickle out to consumers. Someone would tweak it and then all of a sudden be a huge consumer. And that changed, changed you know, pretty abruptly around 2010 when we saw the consumerization of IT really, really rise. 
So I think there's something going on there, but there's also been maybe a misunderstanding. And that's what I'm coming at. So if we think about the area that in voice that actually exploded last year, it was in the, the contact centers or the call centers, right? right? And CRM is really, really relevant there. So if you think about it, some of the CRM companies don't have call center, contact center services, but a lot of them do. So what they were trying to figure out is how do I handle call volume or inbound message volume, right? And I didn't have enough people. They weren't in my call centers. They didn't have all the tools. They are now remote, all these other things. And so chatbots and other types of voice capabilities came up very quickly. They needed that conversational interaction, right? Or And they needed a way to funnel people, to solve some people's problems, to triage them, to send them through the right people. And it became an, an essential action. They couldn't put it off any longer last year because if you think about one of the hospital, one of the hospital systems, they went from doing about seventeen hundred uh, telehealth conf uh, conference calls a month to two hundred thousand two months later, Jeez. right? And so you have to rethink everything if that's what's going to happen because you think about a telehealth, right? So first of all, people have never done it before. How do I do it? What if I have questions? How do I do follow up? Right? Just just setting up a telehealth call had all these other layers that was that were that just, just added to all the other things that were still going on, trying to figure out what's going on with COVID. How do I get my doctor's appointment? I'm having a baby. Can I get into the hospital? All these other things that were going on. So that area exploded. What, what went on with healthcare and a few other sectors uh, was really tremendous, but that was all the conversational element. And that borrows from the model of Siri or Alexa or Google, this idea of turn-taking, right? This idea that we're going to talk back and forth. It's going to be a give and take. And when I look at enterprise apps, where I spent most of my career, I spent basically the first 20 years of my career in enterprise apps, turn-taking, conversation, not part of the workflow, right? And so what I think people missed was the idea here is that a lot of what's going on with, with applications, the application stack, is we want voice to do one of two things, find things faster or enter information, right? So it's not very conversational. It's just order fulfill order. That's it. That's right. And I think a lot of people have failed because they've tried to figure tried to apply the assistant model to this when really you're doing a form filling activity and all you really need to do is speak and it should just do it. And you should be able to correct it really quickly if it's an error or it should, if it asks you questions, it should ask you a question about to clarify something you said, or do you want to check off this little box to say they're an existing customer or what campaign it came from or something like that. So one of the things I'm thinking about with the web is we're going to see a new mode of interaction with voice, which is going to be more just speaking to, to the, the browser, to the application, and then it reacting to you. So it's going to reduce the clicks. Uh, it's going to reduce the, the challenge to find things. It's going to be particularly helpful on mobile. So if you think about mobile workforce mm -hmm. uh, who are trying to enter this stuff, they have compliance, right? This compliance requirement from their bosses. You have to enter this data after the sales call, after the field service call, whatever it is. And they're doing what they can because they're typing with thumbs or they're coming back and they're sitting in their, their truck and you know trying to type it in. That's not really value-added activity for them. It's value-added for the organization because having data over the long term is really helpful. Whether it's really helpful in the short term, I think is debatable, right? It depends on the role and, and different in, in the context. But it's certainly helpful over the long term. It's not necessarily helpful in the short term to the people who are just trying to get the next sale done or get to the next service call and they're under all these other pressures, right? So 
So I believe that this form filling function is going to be really important. Now that goes to the consumer side too, from a CRM standpoint, because a lot of times you want your customers who are consumers to give you information. And they don't want to type with their thumbs any more than anybody else. They'll do it if they feel like there's a high value, but they will give you just the bare minimum of information. You could actually get two more fields filled out if they could just speak them, right? And what would that mean to somebody? Let's say you can only get three to four fields and you know that your fall off rate is really high gathering that data from a customer. But if you used voice, you could get six and they'd be happier afterwards and they'd be done faster, right? And so I... I look at the the CRM space is sort of filling into that. And the other is just to call up information. So on the mobile phone, we've seen this a lot. Uh, you don't have a lot of UI real estate. You've got the hamburger menu maybe and a couple other buttons. Uh, so a lot of things that you don't use frequently are hard to get to, or you can't even find them. You don't even know where they are buried in the UI, particularly when you're on mobile. That can be true on desktop as well. But voice can get you there instantly. Everything is one button click away. It just happens to be a voice button. And so that could be anything from just a, a core function. And usually it's the long tail functions. It's the ones you don't use all the time. Because the ones you use all the time, they have a button fixed right on the front page. And you can get there quickly. But the things you don't use all the time, those long tail things, are going to be important. And one of the things I expect to be really important is, is reporting. Uh, because reporting, you have lots of questions that don't have pre-built reports, or you've got so many reports, how do I find the report? How's it categorized? Is this the right taxonomy? All these other things. When you know what you want and you can say what you want in two to three seconds mm -hmm. and it just pull up. Yeah, that's that's the thing. It, it, from a user adoption pr uh, perspective uh, and from a, um, a, a fuller data set and from a more accurate data set, it seems like it's a no brainer that there would be, there would be more focus on this. Um, but it seems to me like, you know, I talked to a couple of different vendors and I'll ask, you know, get briefed on a lot of stuff in the CRM space. And one of the kind of standard questions I have is uh, where does voice fit into this, you know, in terms of, you know, the, the interface and, and more and more I'm hearing it's something that, you know, we have on our board. We're listening to our customers the first to see what their focus is. And I'm thinking to myself, Sometimes the customers need to be led a little bit to know what's yeah. possible. And it doesn't feel like that part of it is taking place. They're more focused on kind of kind of the, the immediate focus of customers and not showing, well, this actually not only hit your immediate need, but take it to the next level. And I, I was curious, are you starting to hear, well, you're dealing with the whole industry and the whole gambit of things. I'm just talking about this little slice. Let me ask you this, because I, you know, I don't want to get depressed myself here. <laughs> what is the most like exciting thing that you're seeing coming out that you know eventually it's going to hit the mainstream here? Oh, well there's a lot of really exciting things. But but the the things that get me excited are probably not the enterprise application use cases. Sure. Um, I will answer that other question though. I will say no, I'm not hearing from a lot of people who are who are in the web app world, right? Uh, and I think it's because they don't know uh, and if they do know, they think that it's the assistant model with the conversation is the only way you can implement it. And that's a pretty heavy model. You got to hire conversation designers, all these other things, uh, you know, in addition to developers who have some skill in that. Then afterwards, you have to manage the logs and all these other things. And, there, you know, there is this idea that you can just do voice data input. But I don't think that message is out there yet. I, I believe that a year from now, a lot more people will know that. Maybe people like you will will start to tell them that there's there's an option there. There's a couple of companies who are really working on this. 
Uh, and so, but they're just coming to market and it's newer technology and it's based on speed and all these other things, right? But this idea of data input is a real customer pain point for CRMs. And anything you can do to improve that, whether it's with your staff, uh, who your sales staff, your customer service staff, or your customers, I, I, geez, I just think the value of these of these systems is going to go way up. Uh, so, like, do I get excited by that? I, I, I think it's like <laughs> inevitable, right? I think there's other things that are more exciting. Okay, let's hear it. Uh, okay, so the thing that I'm most interested in, just like in general, is uh, assistance with agency. So assistants that just do things for you when you're not there, mm. All right? So you can basically delegate responsibilities. They can maybe assume some responsibilities that you want them to do. Um, and we're starting to see a little bit of that, but it's, 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 it's just on the front end. But I think this is what people should look for. The idea that you just ask something to do your bidding at any given time is great. Uh, and, you know, there's, there's a convenience factor there. But this is the difference between putting your calendar on your phone and implementing Uber, right? Mm. Because this idea of an intelligent agent that is that has agency, that does things for you, is not something we've seen in the digital world before. And it's something that voice and the virtual assistant are particularly well-suited to do. So this is the new thing that I think people should be looking for. It's going to take a couple of years to play out. We've seen some pieces of it. So Google Duplex, a lot of people will be familiar yeah, with. That's where Google will set up a hair salon appointment or restaurant reservation for you. Um, and freak everybody out at the same time back then, at least. You know, surprisingly, <laughs> only the only people who freaked out were the media. Uh, <laughs> I, you know, I, I talk to people about this all the time. And I was talking to people like who had gotten calls at the time, you know, from you know, restaurants, hotels and stuff like that. And uh, they're like, yeah, this is fine. It's just like I, I want to do business. Right. Mm. So, you know, if, if it calls up and it says I'm this is Google calling for such and such, could I? book an appointment, they're like, yeah, I want to, I want that table to be full. Right. Uh, so the media was worried about it. Cause what does this mean? And are we treating people poorly and all these other things? And it's like, okay, that's fine. That is, that's a consideration. Uh, I wrote extensively about whether it was actually legal in, in 11 <laughs> states to do it, uh, which I think is an important consideration, but in the mm -hmm. end they sorted it out and people like it, uh, a more, maybe a, another interesting one that people probably missed is the ring doorbells. There's one of the, models of the ring doorbell will talk to your delivery person for you or anyone who comes to the door. Like you don't have to train it to do that. It'll, and then it'll send you a message. It'll give them instructions and those types of things. Uh, so we're seeing the front end of that. There's also some things that will actually track your whole day and, you know, they'll listen to you all day. Uh, these are very new and you can say, Hey, uh, what was it that Brent said uh, during my two o'clock meeting uh, about this topic? And it'll recall. That is actually cool. Yeah, that's cool. I like. I that. know, like it freaks people <laughs> out. They're like, hey, this thing's gonna listen to me all day, and then they're and then you just like give that example. You're like, oh yeah, that would be pretty useful. I'd probably use that. <laughs> yeah, my my whole life. So so we're seeing we're seeing that, which is really interesting. We're also seeing obviously, uh, uh, you know, companies like Hereafter. You know the. The founder there, James Lajos, who wrote a great book on the voice industry, created the dad bot years ago, which he basically memorialized his dad before he passed away. He got it all into a chat bot so he can talk to it and things like oh, that. That's right. So now there's a bunch of companies that are doing that. And some of them actually will do synthetic voice renderings of the person. So it's not just like a chat bot. It's like sounds wow. like sounds like your loved one. Uh, so 
you know, some people think that's kind of creepy. I think most people think, hey, that's kind of like something potentially to cherish, almost like a scrapbook, but it's it's this interactive style. So I think those are interesting. And the, the third thing I would probably point out is virtual humans. Okay. Virtual so, humans. Wow. Yeah. So I think like I, 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 most people think about these just like the human-like figures on a screen and you interact with them. They look, they, they speak and the lips move with the way the language goes and that type of thing. Uh, and I, I think that's true too. I, I also just put throw robots in there too, but because I think some of those are very human-like or, or it could be an avatar that's anthropomorphized or something like that. Mm -hmm. But I, I just believe that those are going to be a very big deal over the next year. We've seen some really good implementations recently. Technologies like GPT-3 and then the, the new Google Lambda, I think, will head us in the same direction of being able to not just answer questions that the developers and designers anticipated that they could answer for you, right? Which is really how voice assistants work today, but they could actually just take any question and and just mine some sort of amount of data and come back with a meaningful answer. And I do believe that this idea that people have adopted the idea of an assistant that's disembodied, Alexa, Siri, Google Assistant, Cortana. Uh, and a lot of people like it. Um, there's a few, maybe a few people turned off by it, but for the most part, people like it. But what we've seen in studies in other areas where they've added uh, a, an avatar or a human-like figure to these interactions, people like it more. They share more, they interact with yeah. it more. And so I just believe that sometime in the next year, we're going to see a, a really big event that'll be sort of like the Pokemon Go event was for AR, right. you know, for virtual humans. And because the technology is getting so good, there's some really interesting things being done. Uh, so like, I just look at, like, we're just getting started. It seems like 2014 when you got Alexa, you know, that was, that was uh, what, seven years ago. Mm -hmm. uh, that was, it's been t almost 10 years, it'll be 10 years in just a couple months since uh, Siri launched. That's right. And then it's actually more than 10 years since the Siri app launched you know, in the app store before it became embedded in the OS. It feels like we just got, we're at the front end of this whole new wave of really interesting things that we basically just got through the training wheels phase and we're about to start mm -hmm. riding the, the bike. And pretty soon we might be on a velodrome. Wow. Okay. So are, are there right now there's Amazon, there's Google, there's Apple. Is Cortana still a thing? I hadn't heard about that in so long. Yeah, well, yeah you... Cortana exists. Cortana okay, exists. all right. It doesn't exist for consumers. Uh, so they removed all the apps and the mobile apps that were associated with Cortana from the app stores. Uh, but it is inside of Microsoft Teams. So it's going to, uh, it's basically an assistant for productivity applications. That's probably the best place for it to be for Microsoft. Actually. Well, that was my uh, prediction in 2017 in an AdventureBeat article that that's what they would wind up doing. And mm. you know, eventually... They're very predictable. I was like, I don't even feel good about that prediction because I was like, it's going to happen. Uh, they're trying to do something that they've tried to do many times before. It's not going to work. But yeah, so there's Cortana. Uh, Samsung has Bixby. Uh, there's there's actually rumors that they might have a new assistant called Sam, which I think is short for Samantha, but maybe Samsung. It's like depending <laughs> on how you look at it. But it's a it's a it's a young woman who's an avatar who's like a virtual human, uh, oh. just an illustrated form. Uh, and maybe she'll be hooked up to the same Viv Labs technology that runs Bixby. Uh, we'll see. Uh, in Germany, we have Magenta. Uh, in Russia, we have Alice and Oleg and Sber. Uh, we have, you know, obviously in China, it's a whole different group of things. Ali Genie, Duo OS, um, Zhao AI. 
so there's there's a lot of them out there. But even now, what we're seeing is a lot more branded assistants. So these custom or owned assistants. And many of those are built on either Rasa, which is an open source solution, or they're built on Microsoft technology. Hmm. So Microsoft is going to wind up being one of the big winners in the space, even if no one knows Cortana's name. That's uh, all the Azure underneath people are using. They've got Azure Bot Services, and they mm -hmm. have Microsoft Cognitive Services, and they have Microsoft Bot Framework, and a few other tools. But those are sort of the main ones that people adopt. And you can build a full stack voice assistant just based on their tool set. You don't need to use, don't even need to go outside of Microsoft. And I believe that they're really trusted by the enterprise. So it's going to be a lot easier for, for a lot of enterprises to adopt that as their stack as they, as they roll out these conversational assistants. Wow, Brett, this has been great. Uh, I could talk about this all day long. I know you don't have time for that. So I really appreciate you taking the time. It, where can people go and learn even more? I mean, you just touched on the surface of all the things that you, you, uh, All right. Well, I, I guess pretty simple. You go to voicebot.ai. We have lots of news there. We've, we have, you can click through to our research site from there. We have more data than anybody in the industry. Um, and you can always follow me on the Twitter at Brett Kinsella. So that's an easy place <laughs> to uh, check, check me out. I'm on LinkedIn too, but uh, I probably check Twitter a little more frequently. I, I just uh, appreciate all this conversation, but just the site. Uh, I, I, I got to check out the podcast. I'll be honest. I haven't even checked that out. I, I just... You got a lot of look things to do. <laughs> got over two hundred episodes now. Oh my god! Started. I, and I know it sounds good because you're, the the quality of, the, of your audio right here is blowing me away right here. So I can imagine. But, no, I'm glad it's it sounds good. No, but this has been great. I I would love to do this. You know, you know, let's do it again down the line as things develop. Because quite honestly, I am looking for a way to get these uh, enterprise software folks to do more around voice. And and I mean. I think, like you said, the payoff is going to be tremendous. Whoever does this, whoever brings it in, whoever showcases it as a best a best way to you know get people to adopt to using their software to get the data that you want into it to to do the reporting on the other end to drive your AI on the other. Uh, I think it was Dharma Shah Hubspot that said, "Voice is the best uh, in interface or input uh, that there is out there." Uh, you know, regardless of whether the output is visual, yeah. being able to speak. To get to that part, there's nothing better, I don't think. Darbash, he knows his stuff, too. I mean, not just on this topic. He knows his stuff on a lot of topics. So he's a good person to listen to, a true innovator. So, yeah, I I believe that all you really need is a couple of them to do it. And once they do it, then it's going to be on the feature list. And then people are going to be like, why is this not on your feature list? <laughs> and as soon as someone loses a sale, it'll be prioritized for the next quarter to be implemented. There it is. Brent, thanks again for your time, and this is great. All right, thanks, Brent. Right, take care. All right, folks, and I'll see you tomorrow. Uh, who am I talking to tomorrow? Oh, my buddy Esteban Kolsky, the uh, chief evangelist of uh, CX for SAP. Yeah, we're gonna have a good conversation. There's a lot to talk about on that one. See you tomorrow.